0: So I truly believe leadership leaders in this country are scared of young people. They're scared of the change that young people want to see. They're scared of the ideas that they bring to the table and they're scared um, that young people want to change the systems that are keeping them in place. Um, You know, they like to blame young people, um, by saying that they um they don't have the experience they don't have the skill set they don't have the knowledge or expertise to tackle some of these issues and that's really not the case like this generation has access to more information they understand systems better than any generation before them they they see it they're living it they we're talking about it now
1: Welcome to the EdGap Gap Evolution Podcast. I'm your host, Mariah Phillips. You can call me Mariah because that's my name. And I'm thrilled to have you on this journey with me and all of the spectacular guests who jump on the podcast to give you more options for educating children so that children have more options for building a magnificent future. The EdGap Gap Evolution Podcast is a digital community where parents, educators, and innovators drop the details on how they are using their lives to help children explore the vastness of education beyond the textbook so that we can close America's education gap together. And just in case you didn't get the memo, producing a podcast is a whole lot of work. We're talking schedule coordination, production, the list goes on and on. So in return for bringing you this show every week, we just ask that you always find a way to share and use what you learn on the podcast to enrich children and families everywhere. Alrighty, without further ado, come along with me to meet our very next guest. Today we're speaking with Amy Mewers and Zahra Ali from the National Youth Leadership Council. The 40-year-old Minnesota-based organization is on a mission to create a more just, sustainable, and peaceful world with young with young people, their schools, and their communities through service learning. Amy serves as the org's CEO, and Zahra is a student member of the org's board of directors. In a moment, we'll dive into the good work happening at the National Youth Leadership Council, but first, Amy and Zahra, how does it feel to be in you all's roles leading the Organization during its 40th year of work.
0: Well, I'm happy to start, and I just want to thank you um, for inviting us to be on your podcast. Uh, we were really excited about the opportunity, so thanks for having us here. Um, you know, I've been with the organization going; it'll be it's 20 years this year, so half of the life of the organization. Mm-hmm. And I was just speaking with our founder Jim Kilsmeyer, um last week, and like. So I've been thinking about this, right? We're celebrating 40 years. This is 20 years of my um, career that I've spent um, at NYLC in lots of different roles. Um, But like, I feel honored, right? Like being part of an organization that has such a rich legacy. Um, NYLC was founded um, out of the... um, court-mandated school integrations in St. Louis um, back in the 80s and um, with the idea of bringing young people together um, as resources um, and to tackle the issues that this this, uh, court-mandated integration was causing in the schools, looking at racial injustices and utilizing acts of service to create inclusion and um, a community. And so when I look back and I think about being part of an organization that has like such a rich history, um, I'm really honored. And then I'm driven um by both the the founding of the organization and with the young people today, right? Like staying relevant to what they need and what they the support they need to stay engaged and make change in the world. And then to be quite honest, I'm completely frustrated at times um, that the issues that drove us to our founding um, are still relevant today. So you know, I mean. You you want job security, but not in the nonprofit space. Like we're driven by our mission. We want we we want to meet our mission so that we don't have to exist. And after 40 years, you know, the racial injustice, the 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 social injustices, the education inequities that we're we're empowering and supporting young people and addressing. I would have, I wish there was a lot more movement in those areas than there is. So <laughs> that's a, a little a lengthy answer for you, but I feel all those things, um, but definitely honored um, to be part of such an amazing organization.
1: Totally, totally understandable. Um, totally understandable as far as like, you know, you're feeling a little aggravated sometimes because it's been, it it it's been. 40 years you've been there for 20 years (laughs) like that's a long time
2: and um,
1: (laughs) yes like and there's still a push you're still advocating for fighting and working for the same things but however you know it it, it it's also good to acknowledge that the issues that the organization is advocating and, and fighting against are, have been in existence way, way longer than that. And so exactly. I always say, you know, any push in the right direction is a great push. And, and the best part about what you all do, in my opinion, is that you do empower future generations. So even if when the day comes, you're like, I'm retired. That's enough. <laughs> <laughs>
2: You have yep. this
1: whole board of young people. You know, you have this whole organization with people literally continuing to live out the mission, and so we'll know it always it always lives on. Um,
0: yep. I'm just gonna turn it over
2: to Zara. <laughs> yes,
1: <laughs> yes, and yes, Zara, go right ahead and let us know um, your thoughts on this topic.
2: I haven't been here quite as long as Amy, but um, (laughs) I also feel incredibly honored um, to be a part of NYLC for as long as I have. I got I learned what NYLC was in high school through um, uh, a program where I was learning more about my own history and culture Um, and after I learned what NYLC was and the mission, there was this like learning period where I was looking at NYLC's history of work. And at that time, like just looking back, I remember feeling so reassured because like there were so many things happening in the world in that 2016, to 2018, 2020 time. And I really felt like there, there, were, there weren't anybody, there wasn't anybody who was addressing those issues. And then I learned about NYLC and the work that they do. And I felt reassured to know that they had been working to address those issues for such a long period of time, um, and they gave me hope and courage to join them as a young leader. Um, and I've really found like the level of commitment to the work um, that young people are passionate about, but then also the commitment to the health and well-being of the young people that NYLC works with is really inspiring. Um, and just being a part of that for these recent years has been, again, just an incredible honor for me.
1: That's wonderful. And for for folks who may be wondering, um, service learning, this may be the first time that folks are hearing about service learning and the type of work that you all do. Could you, either of you, let us know, like, what is service learning and how does service learning impact the quality of youth's developmental experience?
0: So I'm going to give you um, NYLC's definition of service learning. So service learning is the strategy Um, that we use in our programming, but also support in after schools and um, in school um, learning experiences for young people. And so we have the the technical um, definition of it um, as an approach to teaching and learning where students use their academic and civic skills to address a genuine community need. But really what that means is that service learning isn't service as part of the school day. Right, like there's a difference. We love service, we advocate for service, but service learning is different. There are identified outcomes for young people, so they're learning new skills, um, it can be connected to academic um, goals and curriculum. Um, they're learning civic skills, they're developing that social emotional health and well being, um, and they're developing those leadership skills. Um, so, there are are real outcomes for young people, as well as the community um, within a service learning experience. So we're looking at that dual benefit. Young people are addressing genuine needs in their community, and they're growing um, both academically, civically, um, socially, that social emotional learning growth. Um, So lots of different benefits from service learning. Mm
2: -hmm. And just adding on to that, like, one of the starting points of the service learning process is meeting young people where they're at. Um, I talked a little bit about uh, NYLC's commitment to the well being of young people. And a part of that is understanding where young people are starting at in their situations and building trust to then move forward and address larger issues. Um, but even in that process, the service process, there's like constant reflection and evaluation that ensures that young people's growth socially, emotionally, educationally, and development. Um, is happening alongside their own personal growth um, that they, and it really comes together through the service learning process.
1: Um, you know, that's so um, transformational because a lot of times, you know, I will hear, I, I am fully immersed in the <laughs> K <K-12> 12 education <laughs> and, you know, um, activism world. And a lot of times I hear from parents or onlookers or educators that um, there is, you know, that students have more to give, they have more to offer, Mm -hmm. that every student is unique, they have their own talents and skills. And we know that um, the best way to learn is through experiences. You know, you can somebody can look at a book all day, um, they can read a book, they can be told, but when you're really out there, regardless of what the cause is, regardless of what the task is in life or in a program and you're experiencing and you're engaging and things are happening in front of you and to Mm -hmm. you and and with other people, those are the things that mold you. Those are the things that mold the student. And Mm -hmm. it really is. um, It's encouraging to hear that the work that you all do, it seems like you're very um, intimate as far as like what the student's who the students are becoming. Of course, it's not your responsibility to control who anyone becomes. However, the work that you guys are doing it really seems like you're checking in with the students and like help kind of, it sounds a little uh, self paced in a way, while also getting that appropriate amount of direction. Absolutely. I mean, quality
0: service learning. There are standards for quality implementation, but youth voice is one of the quality standards. Um, so young people are really able to to direct how their experience goes and where they want to be within that team that's addressing the issue. So you know, there's also those college and career readiness skills. Um, if I could just, there's this one great example. Um, Uh, We have a podcast called The Power of Young People to Change the World, where we have young people coming on and they're able to talk about their service learning experiences or how they're making an impact in the world. And of course, we have the adults on as well um, who are supporting them. But we had a group of um, young high school students on who... um, who their school had been flooded because of hurricanes and um, they were back in school and they were really concerned because there was mold growing on the walls in their science class. Oh my and so their teacher used the service learning process um, for students, which um, started to allude to, but that investigation, right. They investigated what was happening in their school. They did a walkabout They tested the mold growing. They found um, dead rats in the not open part of the school. Um, And so they took all of these findings. So they were doing science, right? Like they were meeting Mm -hmm. their science standards. Um,
1: And and uh, then some.
0: (laughs) And then some, right? And they presented their findings at the PTA. Didn't really go well. Didn't go anywhere. Um, First, they went to their um, principal, then they went to the PTA, then they ended up taking it to their elected, their state elected official. And this group of students was able to get a state law changed so that the schools are now mandated in that state that if there are issues, environmental issues with the school, the parents need to be notified so that they can make the decision about whether or not they want their child in that environment. I mean, so, you know, that is an amazing example of where service learning can go. But those students will never forget that science, those science lessons and Mm -hmm. what they were able to do because of um, that teacher in that classroom utilizing service learning.
1: Yes. And that is a life. It sounds like a life saving initiative Mm -hmm. um, that they embarked on together. So. That is, um, the, you know, that's the power of service learning. For those who may know service learning or hear about it for the first time um, on this show, like that's the power of it. And that's uh, really the power of youth and young minds, too, the ability to um, see the problem even from a different perspective than we adults may see it and go about it in a way that clearly, in this case, is effective. Um, Zahra, is not often that we hear about a student serving on the board when Amy first told me that you were on their board I almost at cartwheels so <laughs> can you t- <laughs> I know you talked a little bit about your journey in the beginning like you said in 2016 uh, you really started to care about issues that the organization cares about and I'd mm-hmm. love to hear like one specific issue that like was near and dear to your heart that, that you were like, I just wish there was somebody touching on this. Um, Talk about that and your journey to maybe obtaining the role on the board. Um, That would be great.
2: Yeah. So um, I think that this was always in a little bit like kind of my destiny just because growing up in the community that I had grown up in, uh, I'm a, a Somali American Muslim and my community, I was the first Somali American, my family was the first Somali American family to move into that community. And just, they were woefully unprepared for us. Um, and the sort of the needs we had, our religious needs, but then also social needs that we had um, to engage with that community. Um, and growing up and through that community in elementary and middle school, by the time I got to high school, I was, I was just fed up. And um, I only found out about NYLC when I was in 11th grade. Um, but those experiences experiences and that constant feeling of something needs to be done really pushed me towards uh, working with NYLC. Um, and so in 2018 I uh, met Amy on an incredible trip where I was having one of those experiences uh, learning more about Islamic history in Turkey. and um, Amy asked me on that trip sort of what I wanted to do with that experience and the information I was learning when I got back to Minnesota and it's an, it's a simple question but I was like, What do I want to do? Um, And from there, we talked a little bit more, and I ended up applying for the Youth Advisory Council, and uh, where I worked with other incredible young people to address education equity, which was one of those uh, core goals that started um, NYLC that Amy mentioned earlier. Um, And like she also said, like it's still happening today, and it's still a problem today. And I really wanted to address that in my own community, so I worked together with um, some other young people on the advisory council, and we created some resources. And we really made that our focus and our goal. But while all of that was happening, I was still having those learning experiences, um, like at our annual service learning conferences. Um, And by the time that uh, I was done with my time on the council, I was asked to continue being a youth advisor on the board. um, And I went ahead and I accepted. Uh, And I think it's really a wonderful position um, because it just makes so much sense like uh, being dedicated to supporting and empowering young people and then including the voices of young people on so many different levels speaks to like commitment and honesty within the organization that I really admired
1: so you were on a service learning trip in Turkey
2: um, I don't think it would necessarily have been service learning it was more like a learning informational okay just, yeah
1: learning informational uh trip in turkey which is amazing Mm -hmm. i just had to clarify i'm like did i hear that right um yeah (laughs) and then this then you had this conversation with amy and then Mm -hmm. you realized that with this organization there was an opportunity to do something about this issue that you cared so much about i'm wondering how how did you feel at that point like that's and that sounds like a big emotions might be attached to that. So like having lived, having had so many lived experiences with the issue that you are talking about and, and then kind of like finally seeing, okay, this is a group of people I can get with to address it. How did you Mm -hmm. feel?
2: Um, Up until that, up until that point, I'd really been like focusing on just surviving that system in that community, like just getting through. Um, I didn't even realize how much I was like, when I graduate, this will all be better. Um, But when I had that conversation with Amy and I started really realizing, no, this is really affecting us. And this is like something that I don't want to be carrying with me into my adult life. Um, that really was like my like it woke me up and it made me think that this is something that I really need to do. This is something I really want to address. Um, and I was really lucky to have Amy and NYLC's staff to um give me the resources I needed at that time so that I could address it in a way that was effective and would last even after I had graduated high school. So my younger siblings and other students in that community who were facing the same issues as I was wouldn't have that feeling of, I need to survive, but they could actually grow um, and learn about themselves.
1: So at this point in the conversation, unfortunately, I ran into some technical difficulties when it came to playing back Zada and Amy's response to my next question. However, I'm going to repeat the next question here for you all. And since I took notes during my conversation with Amy and Zada, I'm going to summarize their answer. The question I asked them was, what traits do you think makes an effective leader? Zada said something to the sort of, an effective leader is someone who excels at connecting with other people and empowering other people. And Amy said something to the sort of, an effective leader is someone who inspires other people and Personally, she believes that it's someone who sees the possibilities in other people. They both agree that empowering other people is one of the major signs of effective leadership and practicing humility as well. And I very well agree. The next question that was lost throughout the recording process is this. What is the world taking too long to realize about youth's capabilities for changing the world? And this is Amy's response.
0: So... I truly believe leadership leaders in this country are scared of young people. They're scared of the change that young people want to see. They're scared of the ideas that they bring to the table and they're scared um, that young people want to change the systems that are keeping them in place. Um, You know, they like to blame young people, um, by saying that they, um, they don't have the experience, they don't have the skill set, they don't have the knowledge or expertise to tackle some of these issues. And that's really not the case. Like this generation has access to more information. They understand systems better than any generation before them. They, they see it, they're living it. They were talking about it now, right? Like, Mm-hmm. When I was in school, we weren't talking about systems and structures. Um, that wasn't part of the conversation. That's part of the conversation young people are having now. They recognize it, they're talking about it, they want to dismantle it. And that scares elected officials, it scares people in administration. Uh, it's, it can scare parents, right? Like that young people have ideas and they want to change how. We as a society operate, and you know, all the time, um, not all the time, a better percentage of the time, we get told that we're creating activists. Mm-hmm. And I, to that, I say, So what? and yay, um, that young people want to be civically informed and engaged global citizens, right? They want. To be part of the conversation, they want to be part of the solution, and they don't want to sit back and just be okay with the status quo. And so, at the end of the day, yes, I mean, there's a lot of um, leadership that's still, you know, in that space of not wanting young people to have a seat at the table, and if they do. We see, you know, there are school boards, there are different spaces where they're inviting one young person in a non-elected, or not a non-elected, a non-voting capacity to have a Mm. seat at the table. And if they have a vote, they're the only one. And I just liken it to like, if I was a woman in a boardroom full of men, how would I feel? Like put yourself in that position of being the only one with the seat at the table and then take away your years of experience of dealing Mm -hmm. with adults, right? Or even like understanding like the functionality of a board space or that sort of space Mm -hmm. and then say, oh yeah, we're going to put one young person in a voting role, you know, and not think that that person is going to be like pushed into doing what the adults want them to do anyway? Or, you know, have they created a a safe space where a young person can share their voice and feel empowered to be actually, to be able to share, you know, what they really think and how they think this, you know, how things should go forward. So, um, yeah, I think even though we see some, some movement in the right direction, I think, Adults need to step back and ask themselves some really hard questions when they are putting young people in those hot seats, because they're not doing it in a way that they would do. um, If they were really thinking it through, like, just it's more for show than for substance. That's Amy's real feelings.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for sharing that. Like, it's, it's all it's, it's real. And it's true. And, um, you know, I, thank you for really laying it out there for folks because um, I mean, we don't see youth actively engaging in these major decisions that that influence the society that they're living their major life in. Exactly. And that is so important and and beyond performative role, you know, beyond, you know, not to say that it's insignificant, but beyond a ribbon cutting, you know, beyond having a youth stand, or sit at a conference, um, you know, where all adults are taking the reins (laughs) and then the the youth is just sitting there like, well, you know, this is gonna look nice on my resume, but, you know, Mm -hmm. really being able to dig in. And Zahra, I'm wondering if you have anything to add to that.
2: Um, Just when I I was reading this question, I just kept thinking about how, like, the change that young people are asking for, um, I don't think enough adults respect that we're asking. Uh, just because the change that we want is inevitable. It's going to happen and we will be heard. It's mm-hmm. just a matter of time and how cooperative um, the people who are currently in power want to be with that process. Um, you know, people see young people today. There's always, always, always that thing about how our heads are stuck in our phones or we're not paying attention or um, just other things that assumptions people make that are inexperienced is somehow translated into a lack of ambition or a lack of desire to see our our world change and be better for as many people as we can make it better for. Um, And I think that that's completely wrong because when we look at what young people are doing in social media, among, even though it has a lot of uh, issues, it's a tool for building community. And young people have access to these tools to connect communities and create change that um, older generations and people in power either don't have or don't really know how they work. And we're using them, we're using them to organize, we're using them to share information and communicate. Um, And we're being connected with one another when our time comes, like we don't have that much legislative power now, but it's coming. And like I said, we will be heard.
1: Yeah, you definitely will. I believe it. Um, And, you know, I personally, I think the day that more adults take the time to get still and remember when they were youth, and they had causes that they really cared about, because as an adult, I can say, if you're not careful, it can be easy to be convinced by society, to put away your passions, to Mm -hmm. think the things that you used to advocate for are silly, you know, to pretend and push Mm -hmm. those things down. And the day that more adults realize that, you know, connect with youth and empower youth to keep that streamline of advocacy for change going is the Mm -hmm. day that we can all live in a healthier, more thriving society. So um, I thank you both for sharing your perspectives. And I'm excited that you're able to get the word out um, on what's happening at your organization and, and uh, you know, thought leadership as far as um, youth's ability to change the world, change this country and, you know, make so much, uh, have such a great impact. And I'm wondering, Amy, a while ago, you mentioned that sometimes parents are can be afraid too of um, their child having passion or wanting to be an advocate or an activist. Um, parents have, um, you know, the food, shelter, all of these different things. And then this this child is coming up and saying, I, I have something to say. I see something. I got to say something. We got to do something. And um, whether it's a busy parent, a single parent, or a, a family um, with may, maybe two parents in the home, um, it may be stressful if a parent does not know how to Get their child involved um, in the in the in the issue that the child really thinks needs to be addressed, and so um, a lot of I did some research. I can't remember the exact numbers, but a, a, quite a few families now only get to spend a few hours of quality time. Their parents work on weekends, overnight, so forth and so on. So, what's a way that busy parents could help their child get involved in service learning?
0: So. I think this is a great question because um, oftentimes when we talk about service learning, we're talking about service learning in like the after-school space with, you know, programs or we're talking about in classrooms with, you know, teachers. Um, And so thinking about from the parent perspective, you know, start with just investigating, like your, your child comes up and it says they are concerned with hunger in their community. They have they are. They're concerned. They want to do something about it. Sit down with them at the computer and start to investigate what's happening with hunger in their community. So, like, what is the city doing? Um, who are the nonprofits addressing the issue? What is you know what is what does the issue look like? Right. Like, what are we talking about when we're talking about hunger? Or like, they want to do a food drive or something like that. Help them learn. Together, you can learn more about that issue area. And then you can start to think about together, how do we want to address it? Um, You know, do we want to spend so many hours volunteering at this nonprofit that we discovered that's doing great work? Do we want to do um, an awareness campaign? Um, You know, what is it that together you want to do um, to take action? and throughout the process you know use the time use your use your meal time to to talk about it to reflect on what you're learning what you're doing what questions you still have right like go through that process together use those meals use that time together to talk about the issue area and then i say demonstrate what you've done Celebrate it um, What in a holiday newsletter, on a family website, on, through social media. Share the impact that you're making together with your child. So it's the service learning process. Um, but really, you know, staging it out. Like you don't have to do everything all at once. Mm-hmm. What you want to do is really grow your knowledge before you do something in your community. And parents and, and, and their ch- children can do that together. And I think it can be a great bonding experience because then you're, you're going to have a shared
1: passion. Yeah. And it sounds like it can be, it can start with something as simple as a Google search. Like you said, Um, you know, yep. hunger, hunger nonprofits it, near me. And there yep. you go. <laughs> you know, and just let, let it go from there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, Amy, what's been I, I asked Zahra earlier what was one of uh initiative that she was passionate about. Um, but Amy, I'm wondering what's been your favorite initiative to work on with the organization. You've been there for 20 years. So I know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you have a lot to skip through. I have a lot. Um I <laughs> think what I do. You know, there, there's a lot that lights me up about the work that the organization does. Um, but honestly, what sits nearest and dearest to my heart is working with our Youth Advisory Council. You know, I, I get to work with young leaders like Sara. I get to, um, to um, help them grow as leaders, to, to tap into the passion that they have, um, just to have these meaningful relationships Our youth advisory council isn't like groups of hundreds of young people, it's a very small group so that we can have, that those young leaders can have a um, true um, relationship with staff, right? Like they can connect and learn about all the ins and outs of the things that we do, how they want to support the organization, how we want to support them. And each youth advisory council experience, each each of our members experience, is unique. And that's something I really love. So they might all tackle education equity, but their journey to do that, um, we support them individually. So that's yeah. really, um, that's my connection. That's my love. That's what keeps me going. Anytime I get to work directly with young people, I'm that's my jam. I love it.
1: And I'm wondering um, if you can recall a time where a young person's words changed your life forever again you have lots of words to sift through at this point but change your life forever and what was said you know so this is the most
0: this was the most simplest thing that anyone could have said but it's the, the young man that said it um so I was in a school at Carver in Carver excuse me Carver County Minnesota so mm-hmm. it's you know about close to 50 minutes to an hour outside of um, Minneapolis. So a rural community. Um, And they do amazing service learning in this school, in this elementary school. And um, I was out visiting on their demonstration day. So they had done a community garden and the students had all of these displays that they'd created to talking about from what they planted to where, where the food was going and who was benefiting and the nutrients so they had done all of this work around their community garden and I met this kindergartner and he came up to me and he's he was carrying this ball that looked like the, the world so it was this globe um but it was like a a ball you could toss around and he came up to me and he handed it to me and he said miss amy I'm going to change the world. He's five years old, and so that, like, that just sums it up for me. Right, five years old. I'm going to change yeah. the world.
1: Yes, and he knew he. Well, that's what he's here for, and I, and that's so cool because. When children do know, you know, they know, <laughs> we, we all know from, I, I believe in some way from the moment that we're born or, you know, very young, there's something inside of all of us, a special thing, a special reason as to why we're here. And to hear that from a five-year-old um, is just so encouraging. And he was showing leadership right then and there. So that's really cool.
0: <laughs> um, well, and then a huge shout out to his teachers. The school community, the his parents and gu- or guardians, um, you know the the adults in in that student's life. That's yes. the impact that you can have at any age. Know. And so I just I you know I can't thank the educators enough, the teachers for what they do to support that kind of of commitment to making the world a better place.
1: Yes, absolutely. Great, great village that he has around him mm-hmm. with him. Um, and Amy, what's your outlook on the organization for the next three years? Where do you see the organization going?
0: So we have um, we have a really strong strong goal for our future. You know, we turn forty actually um, tomorrow. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which I'm, is like, March. 16th. At, I'm looking at my date. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yep, March 16th. We we turned 40. Um, And so what we really, um, as an organization, what we want to see as we look towards the future is that every policy group that's concerned with what's happening in our education system and society, we want them to consider integrating service learning into their work with young people. Um, We want to see service learning the doors opened up in schools and classrooms so that teachers can bring this in to their school as a pedagogy. Um, we wanna see young people civically informed and engaged across the globe. And we want communities to see youth as assets. And we wanna empower young people to address all of the issues from hatred and racism and threats. We wanna move that to compassion, caring, and love. And so to get there, he said, three years, we're going to continue to advocate um, uh, through the coalition for service learning for a reinvestment at the federal level. Nice. We'd like to see money back for learn and serve America, um, which is under the AmeriCorps um, family. Um, so have more um have uh, we want to see um a federal program that supports young people taking action in their communities um we want to get more or uh corporations like all state and general motors to um they're they're amazing supporters of service learning we need more corporations investing in this and mm-hmm. more foundations we have the Xin foundation and the charles stewart mott foundation We need more foundations that see how important it is for young people to have these experiences. Um, We wanna continue to grow our programs. We have uh, Youth As Solutions. Um, So we're engaging, um, we have 30 teams, which is about 600 students addressing um, issues in their communities. And we want to grow that so that we have 100 teams and 2000 young people um, just under the NYLC umbrella over the next three years. Um, we want to con- continue to grow and support state networks. So we work with the afterschool state network and the America service commission, and we want to be working deeply um, with 15 states within the next three years. And last we want to um, we want to increase the number of school districts um, that are supporting service learning again in their classrooms. So we're bringing on some AmeriCorps VISTA positions this summer that's going to help us expand our work. So we we have a we have really big goals, um, but an amazing group of dedicated staff and board and um, partners and Youth Advisory Council members who um I, I know with their leadership we'll be able to get this
1: done. But uh, look, y'all, y'all heard Amy. <laughs> There's a lot <laughs> going on and for good reason. And they just they're hitting 40 on March 16th. Um, and so Amy, I'm gonna jump ahead a little bit. Zahra, I have one more question for you before we wrap up. But I think Amy, this is a perfect opportunity to let folks know whether it's a corporation, whether it is um a foundation how can folks get in touch with you or whoever the best person is to get in touch with supporting the organization
0: yeah just visit our web- website nylc.org so national youth leadership council nylc.org you can follow us on social media so it's nylc um and of course um we we love listeners to our podcast so you can check out you know if you're still like oh not sure, you know, I want to know more about what young people are doing. Um, Our podcast, The Power of Young People to Change the World is on Anchor. So, you know, visit the website, my email, you can just go to, um, go to the um, about us and look for staff and you can email me directly from the website. And I'm happy to answer questions as are any of our staff.
1: Sweet. I'm, I'm going to link all of those things in the show notes for anyone listening so that you can just drop down to the show notes of this episode and click on everything you just heard Amy talk about. <laughs> and <laughs> I think it is most appropriate to wrap this episode up with you, Zahra, who is a student <laughs> on the board, um, and <laughs> to talk about your dreams. So what is your outlook on your career and the work that you'll do in the world, over the next three years, what do you want to accomplish?
2: Um, so right now I'm a junior at Oxford University and I'm majoring in sociology. Um, so okay. wrapping that up soon. Yeah. Uh, but. Going forward, I'm pursuing a teaching license in social studies. I've really been inspired by the work I do at NYLC, obviously, and I want to bring that into what I've learned into a classroom. Um, And I want to continue to work with young people and to empower young people and to educate young people as a teacher. um, I see it as the best and most necessary way to support young people right now. Um, I also plan on uh, sticking with NYLC in the future. Um, the organization is growing and I'm like, I'm, I'm here for that ride. Yes. And it sounds like the, one of the best,
1: wildest and most impactful rides <laughs> that you could be on. Yeah, um, definitely. Because, because there's so much going on and it's, and with someone who, you know, even through this interview, it's easy to tell who is so conscious of what this type of work that needs to be done and so passionate about what needs to be done in the world from your perspective and as yourself um Mm -hmm. i'm excited for the next generation to have a leader like you um inspiring them empowering them and helping them connect with other people to create even more change because that's what we're here for and i'd like to thank the both of you amy and Zahra, for taking the time to speak with me and the listeners today. And for the work that you all do, I can't thank you enough (laughs) Um, because this is a world that we all share together and everybody's um, work towards a common goal, which is to make the world a better place is important. And if either one of you have any final words, go ahead. Otherwise I am um, very grateful to have you on here and folks who are listening to the show. You know where to find the rest of the episodes at gapevolution.com. And once again, I'm going to link all the resources Amy mentioned in the show notes.
0: I would just like to thank you for, for the podcast, for the opportunity and to encourage, um, you know, the parents, the educators out there to be, um, to advocate, to bring service learning into your spaces. Um, it's a great opportunity for young people to build their leadership, to take action, and to develop those skills that we need in this world, um, you know, we have it's a village, like you said earlier, and um, we need to be working together to make it a better place, and and this is a great way to do it. So, thank you again for for inviting us. It was a great time.
1: So what'd you think? How will you take what you learned today on the Ed Gap Evolution podcast to make sure that more children and families know that they have more options for building a magnificent future? If you like what you heard and want to get notified when the next episode goes live, please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll notify you when the next episode is out. Don't forget to check the show notes where I share information on today's guests, and yes... We do have a website. You can always pop in on us at www.eggapevolution.com. Again, I'm Mariah Phillips, and I leave you with this. Embrace the evolution, y'all.